March 27th. Alright, so we're starting 1 Peter. We finished up James, and now we're starting 1 Peter. Uh, so just the introduction. I'll give you two guesses, and the first one doesn't count as to who wrote it. Peter wrote it. Um, and uh, when I looked it up, the commentary says that, that uh, he spent a lot of his final years in Rome uh, and helping with those churches. And when he was there, he learned that some of the other Roman churches in what is modern-day Turkey were having a lot of persecution, going through some tough times. And he wrote them, and the, the theme of his writing was to remain faithful. We Really, that was the whole book of James. James was writing to the uh, churches who were going undergoing persecution, and he was telling them, stick with it, persevere. Be happy when you have hard times. Uh, that was really the entire theme of, of James. And uh, the letter was delivered by Silas, uh, who had worked with, with Paul. And, uh, there's a couple places there you can look up about Silas. But I think uh, Silas helped Peter to write this. So, the first, couple, the first two verses are just salutations and introductions and saying hello. And verse 3... He first praises God and then summarizes the whole gospel of Jesus, which comes to us via the mercy of God. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So that one verse summarizes the entire gospel. There's a new birth. And when I, when I read that, I thought, well, that makes sense. A new birth, with a new birth comes new life. We are dead and without hope until we are born again into Jesus. That gives us a new life. That gives us uh, a living hope. And then there's, some, there's uh, John chapter 3, the first 21 verses. You can look at that. That's where, uh, that's where Jesus is asked, how can one be born again? Um, that's where Jesus uh, talks about that. It says we're born into a living hope. Well, the term living there meaning that it is alive, it is active, it is current and available to us, uh, to everybody. And it's available to everybody um, uh, currently because Jesus was raised from the dead and he is still alive today. So that's why it says it is a living hope. And then verse 4, uh, verse 3, living, born into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4, 2, an inheritance which is incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, which is reserved in heaven for you. And it's, so, so we have been born into a living hope. It is active today. So because we have this living, active hope, we are listed as inheritors. And we're inheriting a promise that can never perish, spoil, or fade. There's several um, chapters uh, and verses that you can look up when it talks about the promise. I, I started to list those, but I could, I would, I know me. I would go down a rabbit hole and be talking for an hour on just the promise, and 
many times we talk about God's promise, and you say, what promise? So you can follow those, Acts chapter 20, Galatians, Hebrews, there's some chapters and verses there where it talks about the promise. Uh, and that promise, essentially, that we are inheritors of life after death. If we are, Jesus was the first. He was raised from the dead um, after three days, as was uh, as what he said was going to happen. And if we die with him, well, he didn't stay dead. So if we die with him, we're not going to stay dead either. That's the whole point. So we are inheritors of the promise that we will rise again just like he did. And our inheritance is kept in heaven for us. The point being there, get to heaven. It's reserved in heaven for you. And then verse 5 essentially says, heaven is kept out of sight. It's kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So heaven's kept out of sight from us. Some, some places you'll see it says it's behind a curtain. Uh, but it's kept out of sight, but, and God will reserve it for us until the time is, uh, until the allotted time. But we know that heaven, that heaven is there, even though we don't see it. We know that Jesus lived, died, and lived again, even though right now we don't see him. And that's called faith. And then verse 6 and 7. How many times in this class have we come across something where it says, you're going to have hard times, but be happy about it. That was all what James was about. That's all what I talked about last week, that we go through tests and trials uh, so that we can persevere. So 6 and 7. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, which is interesting, if need be, you have been given, you've been, I'm sorry, you've been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, even though it was tested by fire, your faith may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So rejoice in your struggles, knowing that your struggles are the testing of your faith, which is those tests are for our benefit. From the water to the wilderness. That's what I talked about in there last week. But notice it says, in, in, uh, if need be, that you've been through various trials. In the NIV version, it says you may go through various trials. And then verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. We don't see him, but we know that he's there and we love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So that, those two verses bring up a couple questions. The first is, it says, through our faith. Well, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we hope for something to be there, and we hope that it's there via the proof that we don't see. 
but we know that it's there. And it says, go back here. And then I said, what does faith give us? So what is faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What does faith give us? Well, Hebrews 11, 3. By faith, we understand. So faith gives us an understanding. Hebrews 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed or built by the Word of God. But what is the Word of God? Well, that can be answered a couple different ways. The Word of God is what we're reading. But John chapter 1 says that uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then John 1 says, and the Word became flesh. So the Word is also Jesus. So, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not, things not seen. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that, get this, the things which are seen were not made. The things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. I can't think of the verse right now, but it says, Though man, no man has ever seen God, his existence or proof of God is clearly seen. We look up springtime. Everything in every field and every woods looks has looked dead for the past six months. But all of a sudden, it's coming alive. I think everything, literally everything you look at is either proof of God or an example to us of things that come back from the dead. Every everything is proof. Those trees out there have looked dead for six months. And all of a sudden, they've got green buds on. That is proof of God. And you've, you've heard me say this before. Modern English uses the word hope wrong. Is it going to rain tomorrow? Well, I hope so. Are you going to get that raise? I don't know. I hope so. There's a negative connotation there. There's the, you say that, I hope so, saying that you don't expect it to happen. Is that refrigerator going to blow up? I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, the, but it's, yeah. Uh, but the Bible uses hope as definitive. It is, you have that hope. That hope is grounded and not going anywhere. So the Bible uses hope the correct way. If you look it up in Webster's, Webster's defines hope as something you expect to happen. We use it wrong. Anyway, so, though you don't, you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. What is faith? The evidence of things we haven't seen, the proof that we know that it's there anyway. 
that gives us an understanding, the understanding that the frame, the worlds were framed and built uh, through God's Word with Jesus. And because of that, we understand that the things that we see were not made by things that we see. They were made by things which we are not seen. And with that foundation, we can believe that Christ lived, died, and lived again. Even though that seems unbelievable. We believe it. And we, if we believe that, we accept that if we die with him, then we have the hope that we live with him. And in Romans 8, and I'm done. Romans 8, 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. Okay, that right there. That hope saves us. It's a positive thing. It is not a doubt, doubting. We have that hope and that hope saves us. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So we don't see it. We hope for it. We know that it's there by faith. Which means we don't we can't even prove it, but we know it. You know, something else proved air. We have we depend on air every day. Okay. All day long. Do you see it? That's an excellent point. <laughs> you know you you're I don't see it. You don't see it. But you know that it's there. But you know it's there because you're inhaling and exhaling it all day long. 24 24 hours a day. That's an excellent... You can't see wind either. (laughs) But you know it's there because you can see wind blowing trees and grass and your vehicle when you're going down the road. <laughs> that That is an excellent point. And Acts 17, verses 24 and 25 says, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though as they needed anything. He gives to all life, breath, and all things. Do we need to... Help others, too. Absolutely. So, yeah, we don't see him, but we know he's there. I've often wondered how an atheist can look out there at the countryside and say there is no God. It takes way more faith to not believe in God than to believe in God, right. in my opinion. That's what I've always thought. Because you've got to prove, you. if you don't, if you say it's not God doing this, then you've got to come up with another story. Well, you know, I've often wondered, how can you look at the sky and see a clear blue sky, and then clouds come through, beautiful clouds. How can you look at that and not say, that it's just happening? But a lot of your atheists believe there's a God. They're just mad at God, and they don't like the religion. There's probably, yeah, there's probably some that fall into that I, I can agree with that. I can see that, you know. They just. 
something happened in her yeah. childhood, like somebody got taken away from him or something. I've encountered with some of the me. most intelligent people I've ever met in my life were an atheist, and I don't understand it. It's a, it's like they've outsmarted themselves. That's probably what happened. Some of the most intelligent people <laughs> I've ever known in my life has been victim of false doctrine. Fooled. Fooled. They're very intelligent people fooled by. Did our people not believe in God? Some people don't. That's sad, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've often wondered if they really, truly don't believe in God, though. I mean, there's got to be some kind of a something in their mind. They're mad. They believe, but they're mad. God didn't answer the prayer that you know specifically that they wanted. They didn't save this person. They didn't bring their family back together. They're mad. They believe, but they're mad. So they've separated themselves from Christians, from the church, and they're going to stand with that because they're mad because God disappointed them. They, and God, so, they feel like God hurt them, that it was intentional. There's some people that would say that there's nothing ever going to be good enough for them to believe. They, they said, you know, Jesus, show, show us a miracle. And he, his response was, even if I do, you won't believe. You know, I can, I can see somebody living out in the jungles of Africa not knowing that there's a God, but I feel like they still know there's some higher power. Mm-hmm. You know, they might not. They, they might, might not, not ever have... run into someone who can tell them that they have. I mean, how do you not look at the beauty you're surrounded by and know it? Someone had to make it. all of this right. happen. Where is it? It's in Hebrews. I mean, even the even the American Indians believed in a higher power. You know, you know they had their peace pipes and their medicine man and all that kind of stuff, but they still believed in a higher power. Well, I watch the uh, Viking news every morning on TV and some. People don't believe God, and they don't believe in COVID, and they can't believe in anything. They don't get what they want all the time. And um, I'm sorry I have to say this, but they need to stay away from bad things. They're influenced. They're influenced. They're too easily influenced. You know, God... It's angry with them because they don't want them to believe. Because they think, you know what I mean. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 4. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Look around. Mm -hmm. That one's easy for me. Yeah.